0: Today on Krina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about change. You know, stuff that happens to you.
1: Changes! Jen, <laughs> and face the strange. Changes! Oh she is. I don't think I got the words bold. right actually, which is common for me. <laughs> Welcome to Krina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barron, tenor. For the podcast. (laughs) And I'm Karina Hoyer, backup singer. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I just do bust into change. So before we start, though, I had this very interesting experience recently when the um, chairman of the Lummi Business Council talked about land acknowledgement. Oh, interesting. So we do land acknowledgement. Here we are in the land, the traditional lands of the Lummi people. Mm -hmm. And what the chairman had to say was interesting. He said, the land acknowledgement is not just about the land on which we stand. It's about the culture, the traditions, the way of life, the generations, the elders, the salmon, the orcas, like it was fascinating for him to crack that open for me Uh and say the land acknowledgement is not just about acknowledging the ground, but also acknowledging the people. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. And so I loved that. Hey, let's press forward from the dirt to the humans.
0: So how would you so would you change anything about the way we I mean, we have a very quick land acknowledgement. I don't
1: know. I just wanna say, I'm thinking about these issues. Okay. And as we talk about the land acknowledgement, I just wanted to add, I'm thinking about the land acknowledgement. Yeah. We'll see what happens next time. You know, I've also been told that in frequently land acknowledgements
0: should be accompanied by something personal where mm-hmm. you share a story or a reason why we're acknowledging or, or why the this matters to you. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of ways, what we're saying kind of becomes performative. We know we're supposed to, Mm -hmm. and we move on because we're here to do a podcast about women and work and ease, Ease, meaning, meaning and joy
1: and joy. But I think, and I think it's a great call out. Which is an interesting. I'm in process, and you know, I share with listeners and friends what I'm in process. That's exactly why we have this podcast.
0: (laughs) I mean, Jesus, isn't that the way this whole thing started? It is because we're all
1: in process. We, you and I, cannot
0: stop processing this stuff, you know. And so we have to talk about it on the air and in
1: process as humans. Yeah, like as individuals. Yes, getting more of ease, meaning, and joy for ourselves and other women at work, (laughs) right? Right. right. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And now we're going to talk about change. And no, I'm, we're
0: not because I have to talk about last night.
1: Oh, of course you so do. So this is it's political okay. season. I'm smiling. I,
0: Kirsten and I are. She, it's actually her. I get tagged along to these things. Kirsten gets invited <laughs> everywhere,
1: and then every once in a while, she's like, "Do you want to come with me to this thing?" By the way, she didn't even tell me what we we're going to. By the way, I always bring her to fun things. Like then, I don't take her to anything that's going to be like <laughs> not fun. And this I knew was going to be fun and interesting. But well, she just doesn't want me to embarrass her. No, that th-
0: she did. Not tell me what it was. Thank God I didn't show up. Any I didn't sweats. know. I almost. I okay. So anyway, we show up and it turned. There's a and a fabulous woman who's running for mayor in our town, and it was you know an opportunity to meet and greet and talk and chat with her at and, a
1: beautiful house with a lovely hostess and gorgeous food yeah. and a gorgeous sunset. All the things, right? So to hear and to
0: hear her speak and. And she's ginning up for campaign season. So it was a friendly crowd where she could kind of make her speech and answer questions and hear what's on people's minds. And she did her speech, which is fabulous. And then she said, I'm going to take time for questions. And does anyone have any questions? And there was that kind of weird, awkward pause where everyone's like, "Oh," But you
1: put your hand up pretty quickly. Right.
0: And And within a second of like, I was just like, I, I got it. And I lift, I raised my hand. And she, and she said. She looked right at me. And said, Krina. She acknowledged me from the <laughs> essential. Like every. Uh, these eyes were on her. And she pointed to me. She said, Krina, And I, I take a deep breath. And I start to ask my question. And over here out of stage right. A man starts asking his question.
1: (laughs) A sweet and dear man. Sure. He's a fine fellow. He's a sweet and dear man. He came up and talked to
0: me afterwards laughing and chuckling about it. But what was funny, but what was so funny, and I couldn't stop myself. I did not think about this. Of course, I'm just popping off over there in the back corner. Surrounded by women. In the corner. In the corner. I say, According to Kirsten, quite loud. Of course, it's a man who interrupts me. And all of the
1: women. But you said it in a way that was light. Like it wasn't aggressive. You're like, of course. And you kind of were laughing about it. It was a man. Which made everybody else around you laugh. Laugh. Because we're all like, of course. Of course. And And then I... Take a breath to ask the question again at the end. And another man Another dude talks over you. (laughs) It was too.
0: By the third time I have it, I just sat back down. But then, whatever it was, five minutes later, when I'm realizing I'm never going to get to this, I just hollered from the back. How about a question from the back? Totally interrupting whatever, whoever. So I interrupted someone too. I'm pretty sure I interrupted the next man who was going to take the um, stage. I I don't and and I the, I have replayed that over in my mind probably ten times since it happened.
1: So I, I you know, feel if, like it was. I feel like it was one of those times when we get a great reminder of dynamics and space and air yeah. in a way that is light and fun and we love each other and we care for each other. Yeah. But let's just call out what just <laughs> happened in a sense of like community and love and camaraderie and can we do better?
0: Yes. Yeah. Thank you It was that. good.
1: I thought it was good and funny. It was It was it, funny. I mean,
0: half the time I'm doing that shit for comedic relief anyway and and the fact that I got a chance to interact with, that, with the guy later and he and I both kind of chuckled about it. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm a knucklehead. I had no idea. And he felt terrible. Anyway, it was funny. Because he's a dear and wonderful person. This is a nice guy. Mm-hmm. But when the hostess, when the person who's up there, calls on someone else. Anyway. OK. So that I I just have to say, I can't stop. There we stop. go.
1: That's the check in. I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah, well, you no, know, I loved it. I thought it was just, <laughs> of course it was you. <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah, there we are. But also, too, it's like holding that light. Yeah. It's like carrying the torch. Yep. You know, I am going to carry the torch for this issue and I'm not going to let it go. Yeah. That's part of what the podcast is about. That's that's part of what it is. Women at work and making space that we otherwise don't have that we need to take. Mm -hmm. I ended up and it's funny
0: because in my mind, I thought after I made, you know, popped off with that funny comment. I thought, how am I going to take this? And I sat down. I gave up. I said, I'm not going to ask my question. And then I thought, get I know, your ass up and interject, get in there. And I just used my loud voice, and I and got it was a there.
1: really good question too. It got us on this thing about vision and connection to housing and why it is that new businesses don't want to come when the housing is not affordable because there's no worker house, whatever. It was a great, it was a great question. Thank you. An interesting dynamic and one that is a, like a constant reminder. Yeah.
0: You got to fight. You got to yep. duke it out. I duked yep. it out. All I right. duped it out. But so thank you for all of, for letting me kind of rehash that. You know me, I do perseverate on things over uh, and over and over We and all over do. Again. I just think We all perseverate. Shipping. Okay. And this show came up because you were thinking about change. Yes. And there is a distinction to be made Mm, uh, about why we're talking about this, about change again. Yes. Because we did an episode on transition and sort of how to weather
1: and how to, in some cases, understand what happens during transition. What are the different stages? How does it all work? But I felt like in the last oh, six or eight months, I have gone through a tremendous amount of personal change in my workplace with the creation of the new law firm that some of it I had control over, but a lot of it I did not. And I got very curious about my response and my experience with the change that I did not have control over. Couldn't you characterize
0: your response generally? Did you feel
1: Oh, Angst, excited, well, fearful. So, you know, I'm a person who has this terrible tension between loving change and not wanting anything to change. I don't want I want the new stuff of change. I want the excitement of yeah. change. Yeah. And I don't want to lose anything that I love and care for. Uh huh. Right. Like, yeah. Uh. A friend of mine who's a poet wrote this line recently that just brought me to tears. And she said, I want what I can't have, which is that nothing will change. Oh, right. Like, yeah, not that everything she loves and cares about will not go away. Right. So I have that tension. I realize I love change. It's super exciting to me. And I want I don't want to lose anything that I have. So when you were recognizing that you were losing some things that you had,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what was your response? Grief. Yeah. Sadness, uh-huh. probably a little anxiety. Mm-hmm. I felt stressed. I felt like I had less bandwidth. Yeah, And I felt distracted. Like I felt not fully in my body. Uh-huh. And I, as I've been watching myself and working through that process, I was like, hmm, I really want us to explore this deeper. Because I think many, many people at work are the recipients of change yep. that they don't necessarily control. Yeah.
0: I think about that even not even just at work, I mean uh, obviously all through life. Mm-hmm. I I am the same way. I think people think I have like control. And it, in some ways it's it, it, I think I do. I like do like being in charge is a very comfortable place for me, but when yeah, when things are ch- yeah, when things are changing that I don't have control of. Mm-hmm. I get really anxious. I get angry sometimes. Hell, Barry went to Costco today to do (laughs) me a favor. And and he came home with
1: like Costco, the root of so many good stories. No, he
0: came. I know. I can't get over it. He came home with so many processed meats and like coffee we'd already bought. And why I told I we don't eat that thing every time, you know, We and I got I'm like, I'm getting angry at the guy. What the hell is it? What the hell do I care? It's but it was he bought the raw, the he bought different things mm. for the house again. It's this is like stupid change I can't control. And I get like kind of jazzed up about it. Amped up about it. And but it's interesting hearing you say, I'm the same way. I love the newness. Mm-hmm. But but not smoked meats. I don't need any <laughs> more of that. Okay. There's a reason why change does this to us. It's because our brains view change, evolutionarily, our brains view change as a threat. Mm-hmm. In fact, I did some reading about this very thing, about how it's just, it it triggers all of the stress reactions and you know responses to us, because it is somehow, what, I don't know, means we're not going to survive.
1: Yes, I think at the very core of it, it's that... You know, base, pretty instinctual. This is not going to go well, or there's a loss for me, or I am threatened. Um, I definitely felt that during this period. Uh huh. I felt my brain was on change, which also, and it was not a happy brain.
0: And it also probably then that that also impacted your cognitive ability. Like you're saying, mm-hmm. you just kind of weren't
1: yourself. I wasn't myself. I was distracted. Uh huh. I didn't feel like I could focus on my work as well. I was in significantly less productive and efficient. Sure. And I don't think that I was alone. And there's no question I was doing a lot of things that the new endeavor required. But it wasn't just that. Yeah, it was all of the emotional, physiological content of the change.
0: So and then you said when you're leading into this that you had you had to do some observations of yourself, you had to look and get curious about Why am I -hmm. so, why
1: am I responding this way? Why am I, and why, first of all, like, I always have thought of myself as somebody who loved change, was ready for change. And I think that's true. Like, I'm not going to say I'm like, miss change, but I am open, like, I like it. Like, I'm like, oh, great, change. But what I just, I just didn't have any sense when I had this discreet issue, how impactful it was. Until I was just, I mean, it was just interesting.
0: And it's interesting too. I love to rearrange the furniture in my house, rearrange the artwork, whatever. I'm in control and that kind of change is exciting for me. But when somebody, when I come in and somebody's read, I mean, decided we're using a different software Mm. or, you know, restructured the organization. Or changed who I re, you know report to, or adds responsibilities. Uh, frankly,
1: moved offices,
0: or even moved offices, mm-hmm. or add, those kinds of things that you're not in control of really do trigger this response, but not for everybody. I also looked at how different people respond to change, and there is this theory called the diffusion of innovation theory. It was actually developed back in the sixties by this guy, E M Rogers. And it's one of the oldest social science theories out there. And they use it to talk about how ideas kind of disseminate into, I don't know, a population, but I think it really also applies to people, how people adopt to change. He says there are six, five, five different kinds, five, five different categories of people, um, Five different categories of people. I think that's it. That's all I got to say. And change. Yeah, and change. And the first ones are innovators. And and I'm curious which one you are. Let me just run through these super quickly, maybe, and you can tell me which one you think you are. Innovators are the people who want to be first. They try an innovation. They're they're adventurers, us venturesome, um, and really willing to take risks. In a lot of ways, I think of these people in business as the entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. The founders, mm-hmm. the people, the big ideas who are just like bop, 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 bop. And frankly, a lot of them don't recognize that the whole bunch, the rest of us are not that are not that mm. these are also people who are frequently in leadership roles, who are driving change at a rapid pace. And everyone b- behind them is freaking out. Right. Number two, early adopters. There are people who represent opinion leaders and they enjoy leadership roles and embrace change opportunities. Um, and, you know, they're comfortable adopting new ideas, but they're not the ones creating the new ideas like the innovators. Then there's three, the early majority, which I think is the, the, the vast majority of the population, um, who are like rarely leaders, but they do adopt new ideas before, oh, before the average person. So maybe they're not the average now that I'm reading our notes. <laughs>
1: Oh, nice. I don't, I don't know that they really put numbers on these well, things. Well, remember
0: the graph? There was yes. that bar graph. All right. Then there's the late majority, which are kind of skeptical of change. They'll only adopt innovation after it's been tried by the majority. And deemed successful. And deemed successful. And then the last one, I would never want to have this name because it's just so terrible. It's so
1: terrible. The laggards. Isn't that a great name, Laggards? Only in 1962 would they pick the name Laggards. Yeah,
0: nice job, E.M. Rogers. (laughs) These people are bound by tradition and very conservative, very skeptical of change, and are the hardest group to bring on board. Okay, so...
1: Which one of those do you think you are? I really think depending on the thing, uh-huh. I waffle between being an early adopter and an early majority. Yeah. Like I think that I go back and forth between those two things. Uh-huh. What about you? I think early adopter. I think so too.
0: Not innovator. And I want to be. I do too. I feel like that's the cool one. It's so cool. It's, and like I, and I, but I think that I'm like, okay. I got that. And then I'm, I'm very quick to adopt to the new change unless you mess with my Costco order because I'm going to say this process meets. And
1: I have to tell you, you don't have
0: room in the fridge. Okay.
1: My beloved and I have this relationship. He is an early adopter. He is Mr. Change. You don't think he's an innovator. I'm sorry. That's what I meant. Innovator. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. I was like, he is an innovator. Yeah. And I have always said in our relationship that Steve is in charge of vision. Yeah. And I'm in charge of operations and execution. <laughs> Implementation. You know what? Implementation. Yes. And yes. You know, it's one of the things where I think I need I am self aware. Like I do strive to be an innovator, but I know that I'm not.
0: Interesting.
1: Right. It's okay. So do you think
0: when you were ta- when you were having all of this change happen to, to you at work that you didn't even know it, it was
1: coming at you, you hadn't predicted it, it was just happening to you? Not the specific changes. I knew that change was going to happen, but I didn't know what the exact things that were going to chafe me were going to be.
0: Yeah. Did you move more towards early majority or late majority? Did you become more skeptical
1: or... Did you kind of wait, do a more wait and see? I found that when it came to relationships and people, I was much less willing to change. I was much more upset about the change. Mm-hmm. I was much sadder about the change. Mm-hmm. When it was about systems and things, um, I'm, I was fine. I was like, OK, this is easier for me. It's work to do change. It's work to figure out a different system of your of your like how you track expenses or how you pay for things or how you record, you know, your financial, yeah. all those things. It's work. But I didn't have kind of the as much grief or stress. Yeah, it was just the, it was just the stress of learning something new. Like, oh, I got to learn something new. Well, that's interesting, but also time consuming and energy consuming. Yeah, I had a harder time with the relationship. You were laggard. I was, I'm not going to, I'm going to say that I was like, I think I was just not, a, I wouldn't call myself a laggard. I would just say I had a lot of grief. Yeah. A lot of grief, sadness. Yeah. Right. Because I didn't want some things to change.
0: You know, interesting when we talked about transition years ago, we did that great two part series. Mm-hmm. We talked about how in so when, when something major does change, when something shifts, you a, one of the things you need to do is great, honor the, mm-hmm.
1: the loss. Uh, literally, you know, in some cases. <laughs> I spent a lot of time doing that. <laughs> honoring loss? Yes, honoring loss. I did. I spent a lot of time honoring loss, and I think it was really freaking helpful. Yeah. Because I was like, and it's funny, you shared this thing we were prepping for this episode. It's that seven S's. Yes. And I don't know where they even came from. Do you? McKinsey. McKinsey. Stinking McKinsey. You know what? I was made aware of these in a leadership training, I don't know,
0: 10 years ago that I took 15 years. Ago. Oh my god, I'm getting old. 15 years ago. And we used the seven S's as like a diagnostic tool. So like if you're looking at an organization, well, here I am jumping ahead.
1: No, I think this is great. So it's a
0: diagnostic tool that organizations and you know leaders, etc., can look at can use to try to identify where a disconnect is in an organization. But when we were talking about, but I shipped it off to you because when you were talking about the system at your work or the disruptions that were happening Mm -hmm. because of all of Mm -hmm. the change that was happening, I sent it to you to kind of challenge you to try to identify the source of that frustration. Yes. Do you want to talk about it? You just told me you love
1: this almost as much as your morning routine. I do. (laughs) Like the seven S's. Like, I'm like, I love these so much as far as diagnosing a problem. Like this is like an amazing new diagnostic tool that I have. And I think I've done this much more clumsily. And that is part of what we do here is we try and create ease around doing things better and more easily and more efficiently. And this was like, like I say, this is like, I love this as much as my morning routine. Stephanie loves her morning routine with me. We love it together. We're obsessed. Um, So here are the seven lenses, sure, things, buckets, seven buckets. Okay. Strategy. Okay, so is this a strategy issue? What is the plan for building and maintaining whatever you're doing? Yeah, right? So what's happening strategically? Structure, how are you organized? Who is doing what, what departments, who reports to who? Right. Okay? Right. Systems. These are the activities and procedures that we use every day. Like for me, it's our practice management system. It's our banking system. It's uh-huh. our it's our QuickBooks. It's our, you know, records management, blah, 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 all the things. Right. Yep. Shared values. And these are the core values of the organization and reflect the general work ethic. OK. Mm-hmm. So what is it that we are that we value? Yep style what is the style of leadership yep um staff the employees and their capabilities and then skills like what are people's employees actual capabilities and competencies yes and so now when i have like when i had these issues that chafed me concerned me grieved me i look back at those issues through this lens of what kinds of things can go wrong. And I realized, Oh, that was a disconnect because we did not have shared values. Uh And I did a lot of self-talk. Oh, we just don't think alike, or they see this differently, or we're just in different communication. And it really was, I could have, if I had had this, then Oh, this is a shared values issue. Yeah. It just provided a lot of clarity on the issues that were concerning to me. Or like, Staff. Yeah. Right. Do we have the staff that can perform this task? Oh, we don't. That's why I'm frustrated.
0: You know, I have the I have a client who just can I tell a little story that illustrates yes. this? I have a client who, for the sake of efficiency, moved to a digital platform for time tracking. And they have uh, employees kind of all and over the place. And you think to yourself,
1: well, that sounds great. Right. People are separated. Good technology. This is
0: going to be so much easier. Nobody has to like go through a timesheet. This is going to be way easier. So we, they signed up for it. And everybody, you know, and everybody was supposed to lo- log on using their phones and start time tracking using this system. So that was the change. New way we track time. And it, and it happened to an entire company. And it started, to, and it, and and it was a frustration for months. And it was a frustration from a variety of angles. I'm like, I'm like, this has to be, how? Why is this change so difficult? And so we started to dissect it. And what we realized was we, we we changed a system. That's one of the S's. But our staff and their general capabilities ranged widely. Some of them didn't understand. How to? Because some of them couldn't even log on to their phones. We hadn't gotten gone through that process of making sure everyone could log on. We just sort of assumed they could. So they're the staff and their
1: skills. So a wide range of competency competencies as far as using a new a, a new, new tool. tool, which they had to use on their phones. Yep. Yep, they had to use it on their phone. So then the question is what's the system, what, what, is, what, tool, what tech, what's the phone in their hand? Right, exactly.
0: So we changed a system that impacted their the staff, and which is another S, and we realized we needed to build skills. But here's the other rub. There's also a structural issue with this change that has just only recently been remedied. The new software requires supervisors to approve time. But The supervisors were like, that was also a brand new task for them. Some were doing it and some weren't. And now everyone has to do it. And so we also had to change structure, how the company was organized. Literally, we had to assign new supervisors to different people just to perform this task on, on this new system that was supposed to and is now far more efficient. But that was a change that seemed like that that I think sent a lot of people into that
1: those emotions
0: that you mm-hmm. that we've both experienced.
1: It's so funny you mentioned this because i I had an experience recently where one of my clients had a um a a change to a system. It was a billing system. And I started to get a lot of. HR issues, complaints, concerns. And when I would read through these complaints, I could see all these references to what used to take me like 15 minutes is now taking me three hours with this new system. I used to process 1,000 a day. Now I process 100 and we're all working overtime. And I realized, okay, these people are stressed out because the new system that they put in is not working. Yeah, And it wasn't a question of staff skills. Like mm-hmm. the staff was trained, skilled, competent, capable, and the the evidence of this um, failure exhibited itself through interpersonal conflict in the workplace. Yeah. And so it's interesting you talk about that as being a question of solving you know bringing get, getting people you know technology, skills and systems. And this one was staff the result from staff was this isn't working. Right. We got to find something else.
0: And it was interpersonal issues, like you said. So you're dealing. Mm -hmm. So if you were I mean, I feel like we could go at this at a couple of angles. I'll just say the coach in me would be saying this diagnostic tool is we think this is a staffing issue and it's really a systems issue. Mm -hmm. Let's solve the systems issue. And
1: by the way, you've got all of this turmoil in your staff, which is everybody recognizes is caused by this change, which is normal to have turmoil but the problem here is we're not going to move through turmoil to success because the system does not it is the it is the inappropriate is not appropriate for this workplace yeah it just doesn't meet the needs yeah and the first place we saw that was in staff stress yes before i think it was even seen in revenue yeah yeah I don't know that for sure because I don't have that level of 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 visibility. But such an this whole changing systems thing, right, and how it makes people feel,
0: yeah. And like you said, and or when values are not aligned, or when style is not aligned, or whatever, it really. And when a change happens to you, and these other things adjust around it, Mm -hmm. we have an opportunity to examine
1: really what is. What is the problem? I always find it incredibly helpful the more information I have about my problem. It makes it easier for me to solve it. Yeah. So this little seven strategy, structure, systems, shared values, style, staff, and skills, and I'll put this in the show notes, it's just become this amazing like, oh my gosh, what a way to sort and bucket problems. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. So I'm, thank you for sharing it with me. I'm really I'm telling you, it's like the morning routine. I'm loving it.
0: No, I love it. And I love the way this is kind of coming together where we're saying, look, when change happens to you, your brain does a whole bunch of things. In order to manage it, you need to A, know what kind of a change how you are about change. Are you an innovator, an early adopter? Do you need a little, a lot of time? Let's get it, let's get clear about that. Let's build some self-awareness around that. And then let's look at the uh, the things that are being impacted by the change in addition to you and you using the 7s model and diagnose opportunities to ease some burden yeah 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 and you know and i think finally there's also ways to address what's going on for us individually mm-hmm. not just by dissecting you know the change itself and all of the different i sometimes i think about a spider web you know where you pull on one filament and the whole thing moves. Yes. You know, that a lot of change does that to an organization. And that's where the seven S's thing comes in. But it it also does that kind of stuff to ourselves, right? Not just the brain, all of the other stuff, as you indicated, it disrupts sleep, it makes it hard to focus, it makes me upset, whatever. What do we do about what do we do about that personally?
1: During our morning routine, during our morning routines, <laughs> we journal this. Yeah, um, which seriously, I did some of that. I mean, I think we've kind of mentioned two of the big ones, which is acknowledging what's happening, yeah. right, and really understanding like what I'm, what I was worried about, what I was afraid of, kind of the diagnosis. Yeah, like di- di- diagnose your problem, mm-hmm. and you know, I I did have to do some self-talk around, okay, Kirsten you can be flexible you can do this right so some like positive self talk about bringing out as much flexibility and kind of hey i'm in this yeah i got to figure this out i want to figure this out right so yes. i worked a lot on my attitude
0: by the way i want to remind listeners if you're going to do kind of positive self talk talk to yourself in the third person it is proven to lower cortisol and change your mind you don't say, Kirsten. You you literally say, Kirsten, you can do this. Kirsten can do this. Kirsten can manage change. You know, like in my head, I would obviously say, Karina. Except for the when I'm trying to channel you, and I might say, Thank your you, Krina, You can do hard things, Krina, It's gonna be fine, right? Karina, you it's okay. Or
1: it's okay to feel bad. Yes. Just because you feel bad, Kirsten, doesn't mean you're not going to learn how to do this. Or just because you feel bad about losing this relationship or losing this close workplace relationship doesn't mean you can't figure out other ways to have that connection. Yeah. Right? So I found a lot of kind of balm on my change wounds huh. by going through that process.
0: Yeah, I love that's kind of an interesting way to frame it.
1: Mm-hmm. My change wins.
0: I think one of the other things I try to encourage people, clients especially, to do is remember who knows what's good or bad. We automatically, our brains say change is bad. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to override that. Mm-hmm. But there's a great fable. I think it's a Taoist fable that goes very quickly. You know, a farmer has a prize stallion. His neighbor says congratulations. he oh, says, I love this one. You know. Who knows what's good or bad he takes it to the market it attracts a lot of attention from thieves who come and steal it you know and they say his neighbor says god i'm so sorry about that who knows what's good or bad the stallion runs breaks away from the thief joins a band of you know horses and brings them all back and now he's rich with horses congratulations he says who knows what's good or bad and then you know his son breaks his leg on one of the stallions I'm so sorry. Who knows what's good about it? And then his son ends up, because he has a broken leg, not being cons- conscripted into the military. And so every change, mm-hmm. we put value judgment mm-hmm. on and remembering,
1: we don't know. It doesn't Not for sure. Not for sure. And I also found it really helpful to be in that place of openness, yeah. right? And not just making a bunch of judgments. And I also found it really helpful to focus on the why, the why I was doing this and what was the meaning behind this, right? Mm-hmm. Which was, I really love my work. I want to practice it in a way that gives me the most ease, meaning, and joy. This is going to be part of the process to get there, yeah. right? Yeah. So, even th- that was true, even with the change that I didn't control. Yeah. I still was clear about my meaning in the context of that change, and I felt that that was a really, like, like I don't know. Um, an anchor in the storm coming uh-huh. into the harbor on the storm and anchoring down and saying hey this is this is where i want to be this is where i'm going and there's all these things happening out here i can't control but i am clear about me which makes me
0: feel like you were you held your vision mm-hmm. and you leaned into your values
1: yes and it wasn't that pretty but yes <laughs> <laughs> yes
0: yeah and i think that's yeah continuing to do the work to see the big picture
1: mm-hmm.
0: Is there anything else you want to share with our
1: listeners that you l- learned through this process? It's the thing we I mean, I just had this conversation with my partner Sally Quinn about this about, you know, being kind to ourselves yeah. during stress. Yeah. And, you know, tension. We talk about this in like almost every episode. <laughs> and yet here we go. And and I don't know one person with whom I cannot have this conversation about being kind to themselves. Yes. about finding things that bring joy. Like every time I talk to a supervisor who has to fire an employee, yeah. I say to them, this is your greatest this is one of your greatest opportunities in your whole life to be kind. Mm-hmm. And so I am so hopeful you show up with kindness. Mm-hmm. And it's going to feel bad and you're going to want to be angry and blaming and all of those things, but this is your opportunity to give information and be kind. Yeah. Not nice. But kind. kind. And then I say, it's harder for the person you fire, obviously. And then I say to them, and tell me what you're going to do for yourself when this is done to be kind to yourself. Hot bath, run, walk in the woods, tea, a beer with a friend. What are you going to do? And so I did a lot of that during this period for myself. And for me, it's like hot bath, time with friends, a lot of exercise and salads. (laughs) Yeah. I just feel like salads Help me a lot with stress. They're crunchy. I feel super pious and good about myself. Yeah. Salads.
0: I I think, yeah. Who can't, who doesn't need to hear every two weeks, be kind to yourself. I mean, I think that's, yes, I think it's a great way to end
1: it. Mm -hmm. And in the context of change and you can do it. Like you can find your way through, hold on. You can create some more ease, meaning and joy for yourself. Find your meaning in the change hang on to it. Yep. You know, and be, try and be open. Yep. Cause who knows? Who knows? Who knows what will happen? Who knows what's good or bad. Thank you so Thanks much for, listening, for joining friends. this
0: conversation with us. We will see you in two weeks. Krina and Kirsten get to work is recorded and produced by yours. Truly Krina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere. You listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.